So, no, we didn't finish for it entirely. We have a little bit left to for it. We have a little bit less left to install it. So we're in the middle of an amazing mimer over here. It's a mimer which is explaining the depth, the essence of the umtiv of Purim. You like Purim, Hananya? You don't like Purim? What? You do. Purim is the favorite day in the whole calendar, right? And it's the favorite day because it's the most special day in the calendar. It's a day which is like Yom Kippur. And what's it like Yom Kippur? It's like Yom Kippur because both of them are connected to the idea of poor, of a lottery. On Yom Kippur, you make a lottery between the two Seirim, the two goats. On Purim, the whole Yom Tov is all about a lottery. And it's also connected to Yom Kippur because both of them are Lemaila Mehavaya, higher than Avaya. Whatever that means, but it means it's greater than even the name of Hashem, which the name of Hashem is the source of everything that exists. Its name is Havaya, existence, because it gives existence to the entire world. And this is higher than the source of all existence. And in order to explain that, we said that when a person makes a lottery, that means that there's no logical reason to decide A over B. And the lottery is bringing him to a level where he's ready to go higher than logic, beyond logic. And we said, not only are you going beyond logic with the lottery, you're going even beyond something which is higher, deeper than logic, and that's Ratzin, will, desire. Desire is the driving force of one's Chachma. It's the driving force of everything that a person does. His Seichel and his Midas, his intellect and emotions come from his Ratzin. And a lottery is higher than that also because when there's a lottery, a person is making the Hachlata, a person is deciding that however the lottery falls out, that's going to be his ratzin. If it falls out on A, his ratzin is going to be for A. If it falls out on B, his ratzin is going to be for B. That means that the lottery is more powerful than ratzin. So in the Mimer, we said it's in the level of Baal HaRatzin Shalomai Ratzin. The source of the ratzin, the Baal HaRatzin, the owner of the ratzin, so to speak, that's higher and deeper than the ratzin itself. <laughs> which is directly connected to the idea of the kapara of Yom HaKippurim, the atonement that Yom HaKippurim achieves, which is a relationship between the meaning of Yom HaKippurim, which means Day of Atonement, and the hint of the name Yom HaKippurim, which is the day like Purim, Purim, like Purim. Because how is the atonement achieved? The atonement is achieved because we have a connection to Hashem, which is deeper than Chachma. Chachma is Torah. Torah says you have to do mitzvahs and not chas v'shalem averis. And a person who, Rachman al-Litzlan, forgets to do a mitzvah or chas v'shalem, does an avera, that's a person who's going against Chachma. 
But our relationship to Hashem is deeper than Chachma. Not only deeper than Chachma, it's deeper even than the Ratzin, which is the inner engine of the Chachma. That means the reason why we have this Chachma in Torah that's telling us to do this mitzvah is because that's the Ratzin of Hashem. And the Ratzin of Hashem, the desire, the will of Hashem, is going and clothing itself inside of this specific mitzvah in Torah, which then comes out from Torah, it comes out from the level of Chachma. But we have a connection to the Baal HaRatzin. We have a connection to Hashem Himself, which is deeper than Chachma, deeper than Ratzin, and therefore, even if Chas V'Shalem, we didn't do everything right. I'm certainly not perfect. We all make mistakes. But it comes in Kippur, we need atonement. And that atonement is achieved through digging deeper. Now, of course, that digging deeper isn't by saying, let's continue to misbehave. Just like if you want to apologize to someone, and the analogy we've given earlier in this mimer, you want to apologize. So you don't apologize by saying, I'm sorry for calling you an idiot, but you know that really our relationship is deeper than that. So let me continue calling you an idiot, because that will give me, get me the boot, some gesund from this relationship. Right? If I want to say I'm sorry, I'm going to say I'm sorry. You know that we have a relationship which is deeper, but I'm never going to do that again. So, of course, the Tshuvan Yom Kippur is connected to the idea of correction, of fixing. But the reason why it works is because our relationship with Hashem is deeper than the things which we transgressed. Those things which we transgressed are only there as a medium, as a structure within which our relationship should exist. A mitzvah, miloshen tzavsah a way to connect us to Hashem. But the truth is that our relationship runs deeper than that. So that's where we're holding in Dalid. Now we're holding towards the end of Dalit by the words Vizehu Mashaka Paradipur. You see it? Three twenty four at the bottom. Now with everything that we've explained just now, we're able to see that indeed Purim has an advantage over Yom Kippur. That's why Yom Kippur is only called Yom Kippurim, a day like Purim. Because the kapara, the atonement which is achieved on Purim, is deeper than the atonement which is achieved on Yom Kippur. The Yom HaKippurim Because on Yom Kippur, how do we tap into this atonement? As we've just said, it's with tshuva. Tshuva is what allows us to reach this level of connection of depth, of relationship, 
that goes way beyond everything that occurred, that erases the past, that gives us a clean slate, and that moves us forward. But the atonement that occurred for all the Yidin the, in the days of Purim, this is a day of rejoicing. It's a day of rejoicing. In other words, it's Simcha that brings us to that level. Let me finish the paragraph. We have to look at a few of the notes over here. We have to discuss this idea further. Let's just finish the paragraph inside first. The main idea of Geiro, of lottery, which is, as we said earlier, drawing down the level of Baal HaRatzin, who is in the days of Purim, the Hayamim Atzmam Nikroim B'Shem Purim Al Shem Apur. The days themselves are called Purim Al Shem Apur. The days themselves receive this name of Purim. In other words, Yom Kippur, we're tapping into the power of Purim. Yom Purim, that is it. That's what it's all about. We're not tapping into the power of Purim. Yom Purim is the power of Purim. The atonement which happened on the days of Purim, it has no limitations. But Yom Purim is like Purim with a chof hadimim, a a a comparing chaf, as we've said before, and therefore Yom Kippur only achieves atonement together with tshuva. So first to appreciate this idea a little bit more. There's a story I often say, Matzei Shabbos Lichus, a story of the Belzer Rebbe, Reb Aaron, the, the great Reb Aaron of Belz. And there was once on a Motzi Shabbos Sliches before one o'clock in the morning when we start Sliches, he told his Gabi, he said, come with me. They went for a walk. They went out to the outskirts of Belz. <coughs> It was a place beyond the Jewish community, somewhere where they didn't usually go. And they arrived over there at a little house. And Rebarin, the Belzer Rebbe, tells his Gabbai, he says, take a look in the window, see what's happening over there. He looks into the window and he sees there's a man over there he didn't recognize. He's sitting over there by a table. And by the table he has, on the two sides of the table, he has one cup of l'chaim in front of him and another cup of l'chaim in front of an empty seat. And this man, he drinks the l'chaim in front of him. He goes around the table and he drinks the other l'chaim. He fills up both cups again and he sits down, just sitting there for a few moments. And again, he repeats 
three, two times, three times, four times. And then he gets up and he starts dancing around the table with a lot of joy, a lot of excitement. And the, the Bells Rebbe says to his Gabi, okay, come, let's go. They go to the shul. And uh, the shul starts filling up for slichas. People are sitting down. They're reading a mimer, some inspiration before they have to say slichas. This last leg of the year, just before we enter into the awesome day of Rosh Hashanah. And he sees, just as they're about to start slichas, in slips this man who he saw on in, in the window. Again, someone who he wasn't familiar with before. He sits down in the back of the shul. He's covered in a very yellow talus that he put on, and the talus is covering his face. But throughout Slichus, the Gabbai looks up and he sees that the talus is shaking. The person is is completely moved with emotion. He's sobbing throughout the Slichus. At the end of Slichus, people leave. They go home to go to sleep. It's the middle of the night. And uh, the Belzer Rav tells to his Gabbai, he says... I want you to go over to this person and find out his story. He goes over. He says to him, Shalom Aleichem. He says, Aleichem Shalom. He says, I don't recognize you from around here. He says, yeah, you're probably wondering where I come from, what my story is, how I got here. He says, I'll tell you. But first, I need to tell you a story. Because I used to have a business partner. And that business partner and I were best of friends. We were best friends since we were kids. We did everything together. We lived next door to each other. We shared simchas together. We shared sorrows together. Everything. We, we were just extremely close. One day there was an argument. I don't even remember about what. And we argued and as arguments go, it escalated to the point that uh, we couldn't even walk on the same side of the street as each other. If one of us would see the other, we'd cross the street to, to be away from each other. But uh, both of us, each on our own, started thinking that we miss this relationship which we had. And we want to, again, be close. And neither of us even remembered how we got to this point but how do we go after months of insults of hatred of animosity how do we go suddenly to be together to to, to, to make up to each other we don't even walk on the same side of the street as each other how are we supposed to talk to each other and we both had the same idea at the same time we had this inn where we used to sit together, a bar, and we would sit over there and uh, spend time with each other, talk, and so on and so forth. We both went to our table, the table where we always sat together. We sat down over there at the table, and uh, the waiter brought us our regular from the way that it used to be. He filled up each of our cups. We didn't say a word to each other. We just drank. 
that which the waiter filled up, then he filled up our cups again, and we drank again, and he filled up our cups again, and we drank again. Until we had enough to drink, and we got up, and we hugged each other, and we kissed each other, and we cried over each other's shoulders, and we danced together, and we sang, and everything was forgotten. He said, I grew up in a religious home, but things happened. And slowly I left the path of religion. One thing led to another, to another. And I was completely estranged from the Yiddishkeit, which I grew up with. This afternoon I was looking out the window, saw people going to show, Shabbos. And I realized that Shabbos Lichas, it's the last Shabbos of the year. <coughs> I said, Shabbos Lichas, I want to do tshuva too. I also want to come back. How can I possibly show my face after everything that I've been through? What am I going to do? So I sat down by my table and I poured two cups, one for me, one for the Rebbeinu Shleilam. I drank mine. Since he wouldn't drink his, I drank his too. <laughs> and I filled up and repeat. And until I just felt once again that closeness, that love that goes beyond words. And that's how I was able to then bring myself to show up in shul for slichas. And of course, the person became a complete Valchuva from there. That's the story. But this story represents what we're discussing over here in the Maimar. There are two levels of Chuva. There's one level of Chuva that the level of Chuva is repentance, fixing. That means saying I'm sorry, and it's unnecessary important step of tshuva, as we've discussed. But there's a deeper deeper level of tshuva. The deeper level of tshuva is that which comes before that tshuva. It's the reason why it works. Yom Kippurim is Yom Kippurim. There's something deeper than Yom Kippur, and that's the day of Purim itself. The reason why Yom Kippur works is because of Purim is because of this relationship which pre-exists. The whole Seder Ishtalshalos, the whole thing that came about. It goes beyond Seder Ishtalshalos, it goes even beyond the Ratzin of Seder Ishtalshalos, it goes to the Bala Ratzin himself. And Yom Kippur, we're tapping into that through Tshuva. And Yom Purim, we're experiencing that. And Purim, we're reaching through the level of joy a level of closeness and of forgetfulness and of erasing, erasing and moving past that's deeper than everything else. That nothing else can touch. Because the day of Purim is the day where we're tapping into that essential relationship. That's what the Simcha of Purim achieves. That's what the drinking on Purim is about. It's not chas v'shalom to get shikr. Ayid never gets shikr. 
when I was growing up in Cheder, so they used to have a song that they would sing for us. So it's contrasting a yid to a goy. Sing a yid and sing about what a yid does. And when they said sang about a goy, said a goy, shikar is a goy. Shikar is a trinket miser, valor is a goy. A yid doesn't get shikar. A yid doesn't drunk, get drunk. And therefore, when it comes to Purim, and there's a mitzvah to drink, the question is asked, how could that be? How can a yid drink? It's something which doesn't make sense. The Rishonim, the Rosh, other Rishonim, ask, what kind of business is this drinking? Some people you drink, some people em- emphasize the word ad, and so on and so forth. But in Chassidus, this idea of drinking, what, why are we drinking? We're drinking because we're reaching a deeper level inside of ourselves. If a person drinks and gets drunk, he shouldn't drink. He could say, L'chaim and Coca-Cola. Every hecht will give lessons. <laughs> but the point of drinking on Purim is to reach this level of simcha, this level that we described in the story, a level where you don't remember anything else, nothing else exists. What we're reaching is this essential connection between ourselves and Hashem. And we're going to discuss the concept of Ad Layada a little bit more as we move further in the Mimer, as we see the Mimer develop. But that's the difference between Yom Kippur and Purim. So, someone asked on Thursday, after Shir, how do you activate the Kapara on Purim? What, where is the button? On Yom Kippur, the button is very clear. How do you activate it? You activate the Kapara fast. Do tshuva, say al What? Ni'ila. That's how you activate it. There's a clear button to press. What's the button on Purim? The answer is on Purim, there's no button. On Purim, we're getting to that essence that makes the button work. A button is just something that is putting something into effect. What is it that it's putting into effect? That's Purim. Purim is tapping into that level. It's tapping into the simcha, the essence, the essential relationship between us. After that, you need tshuva. After that, you need a lot of things. You need to bring it down. You can't just leave everything a mess. But Purim is what goes beyond everything around, the circumstances, the mistakes, the insults. Purim goes to that essence, which nothing else matters. There's a lot of stories that bring out this, especially chassidish stories, that bring out this essential relationship along the lines of the one I just shared, but that's often what these chassidish amaisis focus on, is tapping into what really makes the tshuva work, not just clapping al-chait and crying, but 
getting into the depths. Why are we able to do this and how are we able to do this? That's what Purim is about. Now let's look over here at note 26. You have the notes in the same numbers that I do? You have a note 26 on the bottom? No. No, ours notes go up to 7 for this memory. Really? So, one second. Valid. So, note <coughs> 3. Note 3. Take a look at note 3. So it says, see also, Sefer Marim 5628, page 210, and Sefer Marim 5661, page 219, which explains that Yom Kippur does not bring atonement for all sins. For when a person violates transgressions punishable by karis or execution by the court, complete atonement for his sins comes only through suffering. And when someone brought about a chilul Hashem, a desecration of Hashem's name, then complete atonement is granted only through the opposite of life. On Purim, however, the Yidin were granted atonement. Even though, thank you, even though their sin deriving satisfaction from the feast of that wicked man involved the public desecration of Hashem's name. Okay, so what does that mean? When it comes to Yom Kippur, we find that Yom Kippur is limited. What's the limitation of Yom Kippur? The limitation of Yom Kippur is that a person who desecrates Yom Kippur itself cannot achieve atonement on Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. He's breaking the tool, the button, which he's trying to press in order to achieve this atonement. Or, if a person has a sin, which, for example, was Mechalal Shem Shamayim, it desecrated Hashem's name, then Yom Kippur itself cannot complete the atonement because Yom Kippur doesn't have the power to erase something like this. However, when it comes to Purim, it says in the Gemara in Megillah, what was the sin that caused that the Yidin faced such a terrible decree? A decree that threatened them with complete annihilation. And the Gemara responds, it's a discussion between the students of Rabbi Shem Bar Yechai and their teacher, and the Gemara responds, because they derived enjoyment from the Suda Vachashverish. Now, there's a lot to discuss about this, and we're not going to discuss it all now. I'm sure that we'll go into an, a proper understanding of this. But just on a basic level, what's going on over here? What's the problem? The problem is that when the Yidin went to the Suda Vachashverish, they went with a statement. Their statement is, we are proud citizens of Achashverish. And we will wave the flag of Achashverish. Never mind that Achashverish, by this very party, was using the holy vessels, 
that he had plundered from the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, this party itself was a statement to the Jews being in Galus. And the Jews said, look, we've achieved in Galus such a strong relationship to Achashverosh that he's inviting us to his party. A party where he is celebrating the exile of the Jews and his complete dominion over them. That's a desecration of Hashem's name. That means that the Jews no longer are relying on Hashem, they're relying on Achashverosh. The day of Purim atoned for that. That's why the day of Purim brought about a miracle which erased that. So you see that even though it was a public desecration of Hashem's name, that didn't prevent it from achieving a complete atonement. So here you see again how Purim achieves an atonement which is even deeper than Yom Kippur. The note concludes that the Mimer here introduces a further new concept that even when Yom Kippur alone brings about atonement, there's an advantage to the atonement brought about by Purim. That means what we're showing over here is that Yom Kippur has limitations that Purim does not have. What we're saying is, not only does Yom Kippur have limitations which Purim doesn't have, but even in that which Yom Kippur achieves, atonement, complete atonement, the atonement of Purim is deeper. Because the atonement of Yom Kippur is only achieved through Tshuva, and the atonement of of Purim is achieved through Simcha, even without Tshuva. Okay? One more note I want to look at with you. That's the note 6 over here. And it says that from Terah Ur, it appears that the atonement granted on Purim was granted as a result of the mysterious nefesh of the Jewish people. In other words, we're saying that the atonement of, of Purim is achieved through Simcha without any Tshuva. But in Terah Ur, it says, and we learned this also in the Maimir Mevata um, Tetzava, that by the holiday of Purim, the Jews achieved a level of Mesiris Nefesh, which is unparalleled. They had Mesiris Nefesh over the course of an entire year. An entire year represents all the different changes, all the different evolutions of time, the, all the different seasons and so forth. And the Jews stood with complete Mesir Snafesh because that was how long it was from when Haman made his Gzeira, which was around Pesach time, until when the miracle occurred, which was Purim a year later. So over the course of an entire year, the Jews stood with complete Mesir Snafesh. That seems to be a very deep tshuva. What was the Mesir Snafesh? The Mesir Snafesh was, we are Jews! And we're going to be Jews no matter what. We're not going to give up our Judaism, chas v'shalem, our Yiddishkeit. We're going to learn Torah in public. We're going to continue to do mitzvahs. And Hashem will help us. you're with me. So the note over here says that that statement can be reconciled with the statement in the main text by explaining that fundamentally atonement was granted because of the lottery. The reason Messir Snefesh was also necessary will explain later in section 9. But uh, it says that further explanation is required.
In other words, over here in the Maimer, we're coming along and saying that Purim, it's all about Simcha. It's all about this joy, this excitement. And in the Maimer interior, it says that Purim, we needed a certain button. And that button was Mesir Snefesh, a most powerful button which accomplishes the a deeper level, perhaps even than the rest of Yom Kippur, which is why our climax of Yom Kippur is, where's our climax? When we cry out, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alekeinu, Hashem Achad, and it says in the Machsar over there, that at that point we should picture ourselves as if we are giving up our lives for Hashem's name, and it's considered as if we're being Maisi Nefesh, because Mesir Nefesh is is something which achieves more than the whole day of Yom Kippur achieved beforehand. This is what's bringing Yom Kippur to its ultimate fulfillment. But then why are we saying that the day of Purim does not require any type of tshuva? So the note says, first of all, that the essence of the day of Purim is still an essence which is deeper than the Mesir Snefesh. We're going to explain later in the Maimer when we get to Eistas the need for Mesir Snefesh. But the, 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 the note remains with a question to a certain degree in reconciling this. So we'll come back to this Bezis Hashem. Let's continue now to see two questions over here in Eishei. Hanani, you have your Maimer? I don't have the Maimer. Where is it? You didn't get one? What? So look and look into that with someone. If they decided not to go to the party, like Mardukai said? All of them, like. What? All of them. Yeah. What would have happened? There wouldn't have been a story of Purim. Isn't considered like they did it on a serious nefesh, like something might have happened if they were to go. Maybe Achashverosh would have. Been angry at them? Yeah. Perhaps Achashverosh would have been angry at them. But imagine somebody is coming and making a party for the destruction of the Yidin and the Holocaust, a powerful person. He's saying, Let, let's celebrate the Yidin's destruction. Are you going to go to that party? This is what the party of Echashverish was. It was a party celebrating the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. You didn't are supposed to show up at that party? Does it matter what the consequences could be? What would have happened? The decree would never have been there in the first place. What would have happened if the decree would never have been there? We wouldn't have the holiday of birth. So it's a good thing. It's a good result at the end of the day. Let's see. We have to understand. We have to understand. The Lafi Hanal, according to this that we just said, Shall you day hapur hu hagayral, hu amshachas are in saif balharatsain, that through the poor, which is the girl, we draw down 
or in safe the infinite level of Hashem, Bal Haratzin, the power behind the Ratzin, Shal Ruchal in Yanim that through this we achieve atonement of all in Yanim of all negative things. In other words, we just said that this level of Purim is a level which is the deepest, strongest connection between a Jew and Hashem. A level that goes beyond Chachma, beyond Ratzin, and it bonds a Jew to Hashem that even Shuvah is unnecessary. So the question that the Maimer asks is, What was the logic of Saman Arasha? Shekitrig al that was prosecuting against the Jews, lahapel poor to make up poor in order to destroy the Jews. In other words, Haman was no fool. Not only was he no fool, Haman knew the Maimer that we're learning. He understood the power of a girl. It's in fact because he understood the power of a girl that he made a girl in order to try through the girl to destroy the Jews. But seemingly, he's using a nuclear weapon which is going to blow up in his own face, and which did end up blowing up in his own face. He's reaching into the power of girl, a power of girl which emphasizes a bond between Hashem and his Yidin, which goes beyond anything. And... That's how he's trying to get rid of the Jews. How does that make any sense? This is the question that the Maimer asks, right? What was the logic of Haman? Now what the Maimer is going to explain is on the contrary. Because Haman appreciated this power of girl, he realized that the only way for him to achieve what he was trying to carry out was only through the power of girl. But we'll see soon. Before we get there, there's one more question. Gam We also have to understand, Mashakasav, this is what it says in the Pasuk. Therefore, these days were called Purim because of Hapur. Ha. This is called, we saw the Chaf Hadimin, right? This hey is called a hey Hayadia. Like it says in the parentheses, ha poor, the poor. The ha poor, what's the poor talking about? This is referring to the poor, which is mentioned earlier, i.e., the poor which Haman threw. Haman made a lottery. Now, you want to call the holiday Purim, why? Because of the power of higher than Hishtalshalus, the power of Bala Ratzin, the power of relationship which Hashem has with the Yidin, which is on this level of Gairo. Fine, so call the holiday Purim. But why are you identifying the reason for calling this name Purim, the poor that Haman made? What was the poor that Haman made for? To destroy us. We shouldn't be noticing that poor. That poor was overturned. Why are we calling it Al Shem Hapur? 
The poor that Haman threw was a negative thing. Why are these days called Purim? Because of this poor, this girl, this lottery that Haman threw. Let's try to start the answer. And this answer is what we're going to develop over the course of the Mimer, as we continue through the Mimer. Where the Rebbe says something like this, you know that there's mountains of chassidus that precede it, and the Rebbe is distilling it for us to one point, a point that is easily palatable. We don't have to read through books and books and so on in order to achieve reaching this idea. As far as the level of Hishtalshlus is concerned. So again, Hishtalshlus is what we're reaching outside of through the poor. Hishtalshlus is the structure. The structure is stop by a red light or you're going to get a ticket. The structure is do a mitzvah in order to earn schar, don't do an avera in order to avoid einish. That's the structure of things. That's Hishtalshlus. Hishtalshlus means that if you do this, then it causes this. If you do that, it causes Rahman al-Litzlan, the opposite. So mitzad ha-darga Hishtalshlus, as far as the level of Hishtalshlus is concerned, kivon shebidar gozu Now, in the level of Hishtalshlus, the level of Hishtalshlus is saying, do this in order to earn that. Don't do this in order to avoid that. That means that what you're doing or not doing has an effect. The actions of those people below of us. It makes a difference. We, we make a difference. And on this level, that the main hashpa is for the Jewish people. It says in the Torah, The word Bereshus immediately does not make sense grammatically. It's the first word in the Torah and the first word which needs explanation, which can't be translated directly. Bereshus doesn't mean in the beginning. Bereshus means in the beginning of so Bereshus Bara Lekim, in the beginning of, Hashem created what's in the beginning of. So therefore Rashi brings down Bishvil Reishis. Hashem created the Torah for Reishis. Created, excuse me, the world for Reishis. What does it mean he created the world for Reishis? Who is Reishis? There's already something that exists. What is that which exists? Yisrael and Torah. Racious, Yisrael are called racious, and Torah is called racious. And Hashem created the world for Yisrael and Torah, for a yid and for Torah. That's why the world exists. The world exists so that we should be able to do mitzvahs, so that we should be able to learn Torah. So if a person would say, if a person tells you, I couldn't do the Torah today because the world's circumstances prevented me from doing the Torah. We say that to ourselves all the time. Every day I say, I have a headache, I have a stomachache, I have a foot ache. I just can't do it. 
I can't concentrate, I can't learn, I can't do. In other words, the circumstances of the world are preventing me from fulfilling Torah and mitzvahs. That person, by saying such a statement, is basically rejecting the first pasuk of the Torah. In other words, he's forgetting that the world only exists for me to keep Torah. And the world which exists for me to keep Torah can't be an obstacle that's blocking me, that's preventing me from keeping Torah. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. The whole purpose of the world's existence is only for me to be able to keep Torah. That's voracious. So inside of Seder Hishtalshalos, the Yidin, they're the ones that make Seder Hishtalshalos work. Why was Seder Hishtalshalos built? Seder Shtashus was built Bishvil Yisrael, Bishvil HaTayra, for a Jew to keep Tayra. This is the entire objective, Iker Hashba, the main Hashba inside of Seder Shtashus, inside of the structure, is Li Yisrael for a Yid. Lefisha Yisrael, he mekayim in Tayra Mitzvahs, because a Jew fulfills Tayra Mitzvahs. Vafilu elu sheheim hapech tzadikim. Even those that are the opposite of tzaddikim, hey meleim mitzvahs karimain, they're filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. It says in the Gemara in Chagiga that afilu peishe Yisrael, even sinners are filled with pomegranates like a like a, 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 a filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate is filled with seeds, stuffed with mitzvahs. The way that a pomegranate is stuffed with fruit, stuffed with seeds, seeds that are sweet, seeds that seeds that uh, have all of the energy that a pomegranate gives. There's a story with a certain person, a Satmar Chassid, that came to the Rebbe. He asked the Rebbe for a bracha for children. The Rebbe gave him a bracha. And he said, no, no, I want a promise. Said, what promise? Well, how could you ask for a promise? So he said that he was by his Rebbe, and he's been going to his Rebbe, the Satmar Rebbe, for a long time, the Satmar Rebbe, Rabbi Yael. And he's been going to him for a long time, and he's been asking him for brachas, and the brachas haven't been affected. And at one point, he's been married for so long, he hasn't have, had children, um, Leyaleinu, and uh, the... The, the, he, he said to his rabbi, he said, I, I don't want just another bracha. You've been giving me brachas all the years. I want a promise I'm going to have children. And the Satmar Rebbe told him that for brachas, for brachas, you have to go to him, to the other guy. <laughs> so the, 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 the Gabe explained to him that uh, that means to go to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So he says, that's why I'm here. I'm here because the Satmar Rebbe sent me here. For a promise, and the rabbi turned serious, and the rabbi gave him a promise wow. that he's going to have children. Then the rabbi told him, the rabbi said, You were by your rabbi last Shabbos, last Shabbos, your rabbi had a yard site. Surely he said over some words, Tell me what he said. He said, My rabbi, there was a tish, and by the tish, he made a seum on Meseches Chagiga often. Um, uh, the Meseches Chagiga, which happens to be the Mesechta that they're just starting now in Daf Yemi. Meseches um, Chagiga is often a Mesechta that's finished for a a, a yard site. So he made a siyum in the Meseches Chagiga, and in the siyum he quoted the Gemara, this Gemara that we just said, the Afilu and even a sinner is filled with 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 mitzvahs like a pomegranate is filled with seeds and he asked the question then he asked how could it be that a sinner should be filled with so many mitzvahs that was the question he asked 
So the Rebbe turned to him and he said, I also have a similar question, but a little bit different. The Rebbe said, my question is, if they're filled with so many mitzvahs, how could they be called sinners? That was the way that the Rebbe put it. So the, the, the Rebbe says over here, Even those that are the opposite of tzaddikim, they're filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate full mitzvahs. In other words, every single Jew is filled with mitzvahs. So even a Jew who feels like, eh, I'm inadequate, I don't achieve everything that I'm supposed to, I don't do things the right way, even such a Yid knows that Seder Hishtalshus was created for him. And the Mimer continues, that as it says in the pasuk, Hashkifa mim oin kodshecha min hashemayim uberechis amchas Yisrael. Hashkifa, look down mim oin kodshecha from your holy abode min hashemayim from the heavens and berechis amchas Yisrael, which implies that the bracha that Hashem is giving to Amcha Yisrael to his nation, the Yidden, is coming from the level of shemayim, from the level of heaven. From the level of heaven, level of heaven represents Seder Shtalshos. Why? Because Shemayim is Shemayim. Shemayim is there is water. It's a it's a contraction of these two words. Umayim, hihu, chachma. Mayim, the level of Mayim represents the level of chachma. That is Reishus Shtalshos, the beginning of Shtalshos. And it's from that level that Nishboim brachis li Yisrael, that brachis come to Yidin. From the level of Chachma, the beginning of Ishtalchus, that's where the brachis come to Yid. Because the Ishtalchus exists for us. Be'reishis, Meshvel Yisrael, Shinnikram Reishis. Ishtalchus exists. The reason why the world was created was for us to be here, to learn Torah, to do mitzvahs. Now Haman knew. Haman tried to prosecute the Jews to Avinu Shabashamayim. He went and he said, Yesh Nayam Echad. There exists one nation, and we know that when he said Yesh Nayam Echad, he was saying Yesh Noam Echad. He was saying the Yidin are Farshlafin. You know what it means, Farshlafin? They're sleeping. They're not waking up for chesedus. Rechmanulitzlan. He knew. Daman knew that this is the worst thing he could prosecute against. Him. They don't wake up for chesedus in the morning. Or, or having chocolate. <laughs> That's a, only only a farshlaf in the person he eats chocolate ice cream. Someone who's awake, alert. He's not going to put chocolate ice cream into his mouth. So Haman knew that this is the worst that he can prosecute. Yashno amechad. You didn't have he tried to prosecute the Yidin. He tried to prosecute that they're that they don't have Avas Yisrael, and so on and so forth. Shagam Haman but Haman knew that he, it's the the pot calling the kettle black. Is that, or the, yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah? Haman knew that he's going to go prosecute the Yidin. Why? To make himself look good? <laughs> it's not going to happen. As much as he prosecutes the Yidin, he still will be worse than them. As much as he paints the Yidin black, he's still going to be blacker. He's never going to paint the Yidin so black that he's going to come out looking squeaky clean. It's just not going to happen. V'kivan shegam haman harasha yada. Even haman nu. Shela'achri kol ha-kitrugim. She-kitrug al-Yisrael. After all of the kitrugim, 
the prosecutions that he prosecuted against the Yidin, Ein Shum Dimyan, there's no comparison between him and the Yidin. Shalachain, therefore, mitzad hadarga de hishtalshulos. As far as the level of hishtalshulos is concerned, ain shayich. It's not possible. Shahaman harasha yinatzeach asvashalom es Yisrael. If we're inside of hishtalshulos, if we're inside of this structure of hishtalshulos, Haman does not have a chance. But he can't do it in Ishtalshus. He doesn't have a chance. He's going to try to say, the Yidin are so terrible, but you're much worse. So if I'm going to give, I'm going to give to the Yidin, not to you. At least the Yidin's terribleness is just not waking up for chsidus, not killing little children. Even the pachos, the least of them, are melayim mitzvahs karim and are filled with mitzvahs like karim. And that's why Haman, who was a very wise man, he said, if I'm going to get rid of the Yidin, I have to tap into a level which is higher than Ishtalshlus. Inside of Ishtalshlus, I have no hope. I have no chance. So lachain hippel poor. Therefore, Haman made a poor. Who had girl? That was the girl that he made. The kivon shabahadarga de lemaila meishdalshus. Since on this level higher than the shdalshus girl, ein mais hatachtenim teifus makim. As strong as our actions are, our actions are only strong inside of seder shdalshus. That's why when you reach higher than the Seyed Shlashus, you're able to achieve a kapara. Because if I did something wrong on the level which is higher than Shlashus, that thing which I did wrong isn't so... whatever. It's, it's, nothing really happened. In other words, I don't want to put it in such terms, but I will just to bring across the idea. Shlashus is like rules to a game. If you have X happen to you, you're out. And you're playing the game. You want to play the game properly. You're in, you're out. You get an extra life. You get a less life, whatever it is. The ball hits you, then you're out. But what happens when you reach higher than the shtalshus? The little child has the ball hit them, and you say to the ball, okay, you're out. And the child starts crying. Let him stay in. I mean, let him stay in. The ball hit him. How can he stay in? He can't stay in. It's over. It's out. He's out. What does it mean he's out? The whole rules is something which is just made up, so to speak, for Seydishtalshus. The whole concept of a mitzvah and an avera, of something right and something wrong, of something light and something dark, of something holy and something unholy, this is all inside of Seydishtalshus. And I said, I'm a little bit afraid to say these words, but. There are words, nevertheless, that have to be said in order to bring across the idea that we're learning over here in the Maimar. Maisa ha-tachtainim is not teifes makim. The maisa ha-tachtainim, the actions that we do, are not teifes makim. That's why on Yom Kippur we say, let's reach deeper, let's erase the past, let's move forward. From now on, I'll play by the rules. But the rules... Inasmuch as Yim Kippur, where we're tapping into the Purim, where we're tapping into this level, which is higher than Shalshus, is relevant, it's, it's, the, the rules aren't important. We could erase the past in Yom Kippur and move forward with a clean slate because we're tapping into this level. So that's what the concept of the reaching higher than Shalshus is. Haman said, 
If I'm going to have a chance against the Yidin, I have to have a chance where I'm not trying to paint them black, but I'm going to be blacker. The only way for me to have a chance against them is where there's no black. And over there, Haman could look just as good as the Yidin look because there's no difference. Everyone's equal over there. Darkness is like light. Therefore, Haman thought, if he's going to tap into this level, there's a possibility that he will win against the Yidin. Obviously, he was wrong, and we'll continue to learn why.